Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour Two. Hello, America. Welcome. It's Eric Erickson here across the nation. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Should you wish to be on the program, delighted to have you with me. I really am. I got to talk to you about the FBI hearing yesterday. Depending on which side of the aisle you're on, and this is what always frustrates me about these sorts of hearings, you really learn nothing new. And anything that you think you learned because you heard someone say is probably spin. If we're intellectually honest about it, uh, the Republicans really didn't get any extractions from Chris Ray that were damning. Although if you read a lot of conservative press today, you would think they did. The Democrats didn't help his case, but if you listened or read a lot of uh, progressive press pieces today, you would think they did. Not really. Uh, It was kind of a dud. One thing that I thought was very notable from the hearing was that Christopher Wray did put distance between himself and Merrick Garland, particularly over the issue of investigating parents because of school boards. Remember when uh, that letter was drafted from that was uh, the teachers unions got the Department of Justice to do it to the FBI, demanding investigations into parents who showed up at school boards to treat them as terrorists. Uh, Christopher Wray was having none of it, essentially threw Merrick Garland under the bus. That was the one notable aspect of it. There were no real gotchas. Matt Gates tried to do gotchas. Ken Buck from Colorado, a great guy, good conservative. He just seemed embarrassed by the whole thing. I don't think we learned a lot, and frankly, I thought it was a bit of a clown show. However, I think we learned a good deal from the post hearing commentary in the press. This is Jamie Raskin on MSNBC. In your view, how harmful are these attacks on Ray and and on the FBI as an institution? Well, they're extremely harmful because they're basically throwing the entire uh, apparatus of federal law enforcement under the bus in their eagerness to wrap themselves around Donald Trump's lies. They would prefer to have people believe that Christopher Ray, a Donald Trump appointee who himself is a conservative Republican, is involved in some kind of conspiracy against Donald Trump and his supporters, rather than accept the fact that Donald Trump took with him uh, hundreds and hundreds of documents that didn't belong to him, many of them confidential, top secret. Um, and there's even photographic evidence of it, but they would prefer to concoct a whole uh, outlandish conspiracy theory rather than accept the possibility that their hero uh, was acting completely consistent with his character and thinking that he was above the law and took all of these documents and then refused to return them even when given multiple opportunities to do so. 
Now, you heard Raskin. We'll, we'll get to what he said here in a minute. This is, uh, is Jeff Cellini on CNN. It's uh, stunning, really, when you th- think from campaign cycles gone bad, gone by that Republicans are questioning and so sort of anti-law enforcement. It's just, it's, it's sort of mind-bending that mm-hmm. we are at this point, but so we true. absolutely are. And at every uh, Republican campaign event, every Republican candidate really running for office at any level, uh, there is this skepticism built in of the FBI, of the government, of law enforcement, because of Donald Trump. I mean, that's what we're talking about. So this is a manifestation of the Trump era here. Look, I'm not sure anything was accomplished this morning in terms of advancing the ball at all, With the uh, um, aside from just question after question being asked about this. It's almost a performer. A Republican candidate has to do this now. They have to question the FBI. But never mind the people who are actually working in the FBI. There are... A couple of them get headlines for, you know, some of their roles in investigating uh, the former president. But the vast majority of them are, you know, hardworking Americans, uh, many Republicans, some Democrats, et cetera, some nonpartisan. Yeah. Uh, and it's uh, it's a little uh, depressing. It's a little depressing, says the CNN analyst, that the, that the Republicans are questioning the FBI. I find it notable that the media are the ones defending the government. Whatever happened to the media questioning the powerful and the people in power? Listen again. Forget what Jamie Raskin said. Listen to the question on MSNBC. In your view, how harmful are these attacks on Ray and and on the FBI as an institution? How harmful are these attacks on the institution of the FBI, asks the reporter from MSNBC. It's a little depressing the Republicans don't have the backs of the FBI, says the guy on CNN. Really? I remember when you guys, when Donald Trump was president, when George W. Bush was president, you questioned everything. You questioned the powerful. You questioned the institutions. Now the Republicans are asking questions, and you're like, I can't believe they would ask questions of the FBI. How dare they oversee the government? These are propagandists, court gestures, court gestures for the Biden administration. These are uh, state-run media is what they called Fox News during the Trump administration. This is state-run media. You're not allowed to question the state. You're not allowed to question the FBI. Really? That's the most impressive thing we learned from these hearings. We learned absolutely jack from Christopher Wray. We learned nothing from Matt Gates. And I, re- I realize you can go to whichever conservative outlet you want and they will tell you that Matt Gates uncovered the secrets of the Holy Grail and where the Ark of the Covenant is in his questioning of Christopher Ray. It's nonsense. He didn't get anything out of him. You can read the progressive press. They say, hey, had the backs of the FBI, the Democrats defended him mightily, the Republicans got nothing. Well, it's true the GOP got nothing, but the Democrats actually attacked the FBI as well. The Democrats actually went after the FBI for going so light on Donald Trump, and you heard that from Jamie Raskin to a degree. So Lofgren and others. So you've got on CNN, oh, the Republicans, they attacked the FBI. So did the Democrats. What is just notable to me is that merely by operating in oversight of the FBI for questioning the director of the FBI, suddenly the Republicans are the bad guys for exercising their constitutional role of oversight. Now, we know enough to know 
the problems within the FBI. But there's more to it, don't you think? In 2007, an agent working, and I'm reading from Wikipedia here, an agent working in Seattle, Washington for the FBI impersonated an Associated Press journalist and unwittingly infected the computer of a 15-year-old suspect with malicious surveillance software. The incident sparked a strongly worded statement from the AP demanding the Bureau refrain from ever impersonating a member of the news media again. In August of 2007, Virgil Griffith, a Caltech computation and neurosystems graduate student, created Wikiscanner, a searchable database that linked changes made by anonymous Wikipedia editors to companies and organizations. The database cross-referenced logs of Wikipedia edits with publicly available records pertaining to the IP addresses from which the edits were made. Among his findings were that FBI computers were used to edit an FBI article on Wikipedia. You have the Florida school shooting suspect. The FBI released a statement detailing information the organization's public access line had received a month prior from a person close to Nicholas Cruz. There's the Hillary Clinton email investigation problem. Oh, let's not get started on the uh, Larry Nassar information. In 2019, the Washington Post acknowledged that released documents show agents of the FBI and Immigration and Customs Enforcement were using Department of Motor Vehicle state driver's license photos for facial recognition searches. A retired senior FBI official and former agent in charge of the FBI's Counterintelligence Division in New York, Charles McGonigal, was charged with falsifying FBI reports, money laundering, conspiracy, and violating sanctions by working for a Russian aluminum manufacturer and oligarch. It goes on and on and on, all these issues within the FBI. The FBI has problems. Are we not allowed to ask tough questions of the FBI? Was federal agents who, on behalf of the Department of Justice, rounded up the pro-life activists who had prayed outside an abortion clinic that Merrick Garland decided to frog march him out of his house and before cameras and into court to charge him with obstructing access to an abortion center. He was found not guilty by jury. The media in this country, the American press corps, they used to question the elite and the powerful. They didn't trust the institutions, but they so hate the Republican Party now, they would rather defend the institutions of the oligarchs. They would rather defend the institutions of government and defend the institutions of, of the left than ask tough questions. They don't want to ask tough questions. If the Democrats want to ask tough questions, they give them a pass. That's the most interesting thing in all of this. We didn't learn anything new. There were no major revelations. There were no bombshells, tipping points, turning points, beginnings of ends for the FBI in the hearing before the House yesterday. 
What there was, though, was a revelation from the American press corps that they are all about protecting the powerful from the Republicans. The Republicans are such an existential threat, they think, that anything the Republicans are for, they are against. Anything the Republicans are against, they are for. So you have members of the mainstream media lamenting how depressing it was that Republicans would question law and order officials, that Republicans are are not for the FBI, who are the, the victims here. How the hell is the FBI the victim of anything? Ask Larry Nassar's victims what they think about the FBI. It's true, there are great people who work at the FBI in field offices around the country. That's not what this is about. The executive leadership of the FBI for the last decade has been screwing up and politicizing things. Someone's got to hold it accountable. Someone needs to reform the institution. And the media is circling the wagons around a powerful institution solely because the Republicans are on the outs with the media. And the media hates the Republicans and Trump. In the past, they would have questioned the FBI. They would have demanded reform. They would have played up the issues. But now they've got to protect the FBI because it's the Republicans asking the tough questions. That was the most notable takeaway from yesterday's hearing. That was the most notable takeaway. The press is now protecting the powerful instead of asking tough questions. And you know and I know if the Republicans take back the White House— They'll go back to condemning and questioning the FBI, but right now it's all about protecting Joe Biden. Can't find the cocaine culprit in the White House? And God help you, if you ask the FBI something tough or critical, the media will come down on you. Hello there. Welcome. It's Eric Erickson. All right. Uh, I got to do something. This is important. For those of you listening on my affiliate, WEEB up in Pinehurst, North Carolina, uh, if you know J.D. Zumwalt, you text him and tell him I just mentioned him on the radio. <laughs> so, so backstory here. So this is the 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 um, guy who is he, he's taken over. He's got got a show on WEB, and he reached out to me a week or so ago, and he couldn't imagine that I would actually call him back. So he said, "Next time I'm in a meeting, I'm going to drop your name and tell people I know you, and and see if you'll call me back." I said, "You do it. I'll do it." And so he texts me while I'm on air and says. I'm with the the party officials for the North Carolina Republican Party. Can you text me back to prove that we actually talked to each other? Called him during commercial break. He couldn't believe. <laughs> I told him I would do it. I try to be accessible to people who put me on the radio. <laughs> Poor guy. Now his phone's going to light up and people know that I talked about him. Okay. Well, all right. We got to move on. Let, let me see. Do I have time for a phone call here? I do. And I want to go to Tom. You're going to be up first. Welcome to the show, Tom. Hey, Eric. Uh, Hi there. I just was thinking, if it's it's so depressing that uh, the FBI is being questioned and their credibility is being questioned, how depressing is it when the Democrats question the Supreme Court? Tom, you've made me disappointed in myself that I didn't think of this earlier. You're right. You're absolutely right. Yeah, they, they are. They, the Republicans aren't allowed to question the FBI, but the Democrats can destroy the credibility of the Supreme Court. Yeah, that is such a good point. That's exactly what they're doing. Uh, I'm I'm kicking myself that I didn't come up with this one myself, Tom. <laughs> you're welcome. Appreciate the phone call and the great point. And you're absolutely right. They get to question the they get to question the Supreme Court. They get to to question the ethics of the court. 
Tom was he was calling from Los Angeles too. Wow. Um, and you're not allowed to question the FBI. They circle the wagons around the FBI. They protect the FBI. You know, the Senate Democrats are holding hearings about new ethics rules for the United States Supreme Court. They're using a left-wing dark money operation. It's uh, This group is funded by, we don't know who, we suspect a foreigner, by the way. We actually do suspe- suspect that a Swiss billionaire is funding this left-wing operation to undermine the U.S. Supreme Court. Uh, there, there's uh, lots of allegations out there about them, and the Democrats who limit dark money on the right, that is anonymous donors funding conservative causes, they are all in on dark money on the left, except it's good money on the left because it advances their cause, the hypocrites. And they're out to undermine the United States Supreme Court. But don't you ask a question of the FBI. Don't ask a question of the uh, – and don't you bring the Secret Service in to find out about the cocaine. Oh, we're going to talk about the cocaine when we come back. There's a larger issue about the cocaine. The cocaine itself is small ball compared to the larger issue of the elite and their rules and what they expect you to follow. And I want to spend some time talking to you about that because I just, I'm I'm fascinated by the hypocritical double standard on all of this stuff. And I think it's it's illuminating how the media plays along with it when it happens on the left. Uh, we'll spend time there. Right now, I want to tell you about Patriot Mobile. This is one of the groups putting points on the board. If you're outraged by this stuff, by the way, if you're outraged by the double standard, by the protection of the FBI, by the undermining of the Supreme Court, all that, you should consider taking your cell phone business to Patriot Mobile because they're not only Christian conservatives and they share your values, but they actually fund the causes you care about. Now, what do I mean by that? Patriot Mobile actually spends its profits fighting for the conservative movement. They spend their profits on conservative candidates running for office. As they grow their profits, they grow their giving to the conservative causes you care about. It's a great way for you to compound your giving. So you take your phone service to Patriot Mobile by going to patriotmobile.com slash Eric, patriotmobile.com slash Eric, or you call them at 972-PATRIOT. You tell them I sent you. You get free activation. You can carry your existing phone number to them, or you can get a new phone number from them. You get guaranteed great service. They're using the same cell towers you're already using, and then this is the genius part of it. As their profits increase, they take a portion of their profits, an ever greater portion of their profits, and give it to the causes you care about. The Second Amendment, the First Amendment, conservative candidates. PatriotMobile.com slash Eric or 972-PATRIOT. Hello, America. It's Eric Erickson here. Across the Fruited Plain, the phone number is 877-973-7425. We got the cocaine at the White House. Maybe it is Hunter Biden's. Now, I, I will tell you, uh, in all honesty and without the flippancy here, based on where it was found at the White House, I actually think it, it, the odds are more that it's an employee than either a tourist or Hunter Biden. I think it's someone who probably works at the White House. I'm curious about the drug testing protocol. Um, I want to I want to take Greg's phone call before I dive into this. Greg, welcome to the Eric Erickson Show. How are you? I'm doing very well. Doing very well. Um, yeah, I was. You know, the, some cocaine got into the White House. A lot of people are kind of playing it off like, yeah, whatever. But, um, you know, it was a small packet of white powder that made it into a very sensitive area. You know, it's a security uh, fiasco. And what if it had been fentanyl 
or anthrax. Yep. Somebody could have taken that stuff and blown that right into somebody's face. And, and how they cases, were able to, I mean, yeah, bypassing the security protocols and everything else, that just it, it's very interesting, one, that they're not they don't have any sort of real intellectual curiosity as to who did it, whose it belongs to. Uh, and yeah, what if it was anthrax? What if it was uh, something else bad? Uh, what? I mean, even asbestos, who knows? The, 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 they, they can't track it down. So Greg, that's a great point. And, and for perspective here, just so everybody's on the same page here, the Secret Service clearly did not spend a lot of time investigating this. They say they can't find security camera footage that would lead them to know who it was. There's no DNA on the bag, they said. There's no fingerprint on the bag. Really? We're really supposed to believe there's no DNA, there's no fingerprint, no nothing. It was a sterilized bag of cocaine. It could have been anthrax. But it was cocaine. We have a crackhead son of the President of the United States. A lot of fingers pointed at him. What's so crazy here is that they would rather the finger be pointed at Hunter Biden by leaving this open like that than to actually find out who did it, to find out if it was Kamala Harris so they could get rid of her as as, uh, Veep. You know, they helpfully pointed out on MSNBC that the cocaine was found very near a location that Kamala Harris parks her car or that the Secret Service parks Kamala Harris's car. Really, I thought that was hilarious. Like, up, it is Hunter's cocaine, but they're trying to plant it on Kamala Harris to get rid of her. Nope, it could be a cokehead vice president for all we know. Here's what I know. If this was the Trump administration... Every single person from the Trump administration who went on television would first be asked to confirm or deny that that was their cocaine. If it was Russ Vogt, the head of OMB, if it was Ken Cuccinelli at Homeland Security, if it was Kellyanne Conway, counselor to the president, if it was Mike Pence, the vice president himself, they would say, Mr. Vice President Pence, can you assure the American public this was not your cocaine? You and I know darn well the media would do this. You go on CNN before Wolf Blitzer asked you a policy question, would say, now, to begin with, they found the cocaine in the White House. Can you assure us it wasn't your cocaine? Whose cocaine do you think it was? They would do this to the Trump administration. They would do this to the Bush administration. They're not going to do it to the Biden administration because they protect the Biden administration. It's just true. You know it and I know it. Everybody knows it. It is a protection scheme within the media for this Biden White House. But there's a larger issue here, and it's the one I want to focus on. The casual drug use of the elite in America. You know, there was a story in the Wall Street Journal a couple weeks ago about how Uh, open drug use is in Silicon Valley, particularly psychedelic drugs. They microdose, they use it on the job, they use other drugs. That executive from Square, uh, from from the, or was it Square, one of the the, uh, payment services, he was stabbed to death. The initial reaction from people was it was probably a homeless guy. And and the press, when it turned out it was someone he knew, there was like, ha, 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 conservatives. It wasn't a homeless man who murdered him. It was someone he knew, as if that made it better. Turns out the guy was, was in a culture in Silicon Valley of casual drugs and sex. 
I have not participated. I don't go to Silicon Valley, but I have heard stories from people who work in Silicon Valley about the behaviors of the executives out there, the tech bro industry. They and the female employees get together. They do psychedelic drugs. They do uh, various drugs like Molly that lower your inhibitions, and they have orgies. It's what they do. It's, there's a, a segment of that society that regularly participates in drug-fueled orgies. They use psychedelic drugs on the job. They use cocaine on the job. They're regular users of marijuana. They live a very permissive, uh, licentious, hedonistic lifestyle, and they think it causes them to accelerate. This spills over into politics and the media. I have told you guys before that I am aware of a reporter in Washington, D.C. for a major news network who multiple people in Washington, D.C. have told me he subsidizes his lifestyle by selling drugs to other reporters in Capitol Hill staff. I've been told this by people in Washington who named the reporter, who I will not name. They live a different life. And it's remarkable the lack of curiosity as to whose cocaine it is. And I think many of the reporters most dismissive of it probably sniffing it as well. They think it's no big deal. They think they've got the drug mastered when the drug has them mastered. It's an addictive drug. I have a friend of mine who works in venture capital. He might be listening right now. He is not a drug user. But he works with people and has gone to parties. I've actually got a friend of mine in Atlanta who said he went to a party. He was in the tech industry for a while. And he said it was the damnedest thing. These people were openly using cocaine and testing for fentanyl first. The dealer showed up and they tested it for fentanyl. He said that, that was his cue. It was time for him to leave. The elite live a different lifestyle than you and me. And it's a corrupting lifestyle. And it's when they think they have mastered, but really it has mastered them. And they don't care about your laws. They don't. The laws are for you. The enforcement of cocaine rules, they're for the crackhead on the subway. It's not for them. They're for the homeless vagabond. To some degree, I think that so much of progressive policy these days from these people is a policy based on their own guilt, white guilt. They live a hedonistic, licentious lifestyle, and they've decided, well, you know what? We should just stop forcing, enforcing the drug laws for everybody else because, I mean, we're, we're using cocaine, so let's just let everybody use cocaine. Let's, let's, we're, we're not going to legalize it. We're just going to scream racism and say we shouldn't be enforcing these laws. We're not going to solve homelessness. We're just going to give them tents and cause them unhoused, and we're going to leave them on the streets because our policies have failed, and we can't admit it, and we feel bad, and we've got a big mansion, so we'll give them a tent and an inflatable mattress and tell the police to leave them alone, and we'll sleep well at night after we've done our, our Xanax. So many of our social ills spill over from the, from the top. You know, Jamie Dimon is the chairman of J.P. Morgan Chase, and he is questioning Bidenomics. And essentially, he's saying he would be very dismissive or he, the, the Biden administration should not be so dismissive of what is derisively called trickle-down economics. Reaganomics is what it's called. Essentially, uh, the idea of trickle-down economics, that's the pejorative. Uh, Reaganomics or supply-side economics is, is uh, the good way of talking about it is you take care of the capital producers. You keep their taxes and regulatory structure small. Uh, as they grow their business, it, it trickles down to everyone else. 
the good at the top falls down. It has a spillover effect. The, the middle class get richer, the poor get richer. And it bore out, by the way, in the uh, Reagan administration. You know, the, the, the wealth gap between rich and poor actually got bigger after Bill Clinton became president and started rolling back the Reagan tax cuts. When Ronald Reagan was president, he had this explosive surge in the poor and the middle class of wealth accumulation because what happened is as big businesses got bigger, they needed to grow. And to grow, they had to hire people, and they had to hire people, and then they had to pay them well so that the competition wouldn't take them away. And there was this massive spillover effect. And and so the good economy, the supply-side economy of Reaganomics actually helped lift the poor and the middle class to a higher stations in life. It was derided by the left, who called it trickle-down economics, who believed that they should support the middle class directly instead of the wealthy. And what have they done? They've regressed. The wealth gap has grown. Fewer poor people feel like they can get ahead. The middle class feels like they're becoming poor. That's Bidenomics. But the same sort of supply-side trickle-down effect happens with the culture as well. When the elite become licentious and hedonistic, it spills over to everyone else because we're a democracy. We're a meritocracy still at heart. And so when the poor and the middle class say, hey, well, the wealthy guys are getting away with using cocaine. Why the hell can't I? It might be what's given them their edge. I should try it too. And you have this cascading, corrupting effect that spills over in society from the hedonistic, licentious wealthy who can sleep around, don't have to get married like Elon Musk, have a billion kids from two billion different women, and everybody else lives a lifestyle just like it, and it collapses and corrupts society. Musk should not be your role model. Got an email from a listener who says, I don't like cocaine. I just like the way it smells. <laughs> Maybe that's the problem in the White House. They just like the way it smells. They just like that they can get away with it. They like that the rules are for you and me, not for them. And you know what? This is going to be further incentive for people to carry their drugs to the White House. You and I both know this is probably an employee, not a tourist where it was found in the White House makes it less likely to be a tourist. You really think a tourist is going to go into the White House and drop off their cocaine in the White House? Really? It was probably an employee who is now emboldened to get away with it even more. But you know who else is going to be emboldened to get away with it? The other people in Washington who think this is this is the culture of the White House. It might as well be my culture too. Look at what Hunter Biden gets away with. And that'll spill over. You have Silicon Valley. It spills over into the staff, to the secretarial pool, to the janitors. It spills over to everybody. You have a hedonistic, licentious society with the rules at the top and the money at the top. They can pay for rehab. They're not going to pay for your rehab. They're not going to pay for your jail time. They're not going to pay for your bail. They're not going to help you out of jail. They're not going to provide you a lawyer. They're not going to give you all of the perks that they themselves would get because they are not you. They don't like you. They don't want to be with you. They judge you. And they don't accommodate to the fact that uh, you're going to live the life they live. They think they're better than you, more privileged than you, and have access to other things. And if you get addicted to cocaine, well, that's your own fault, you stupid person. You shouldn't have done it to begin with. They have the means to escape the addiction. This is a level of classic narcissism and classism that's cropped up in Washington. We see it in how they handle the economy. We see it in how they handled COVID. We see it in how they handled schools. We see it in how they handle uh, sex and gender. We see it in how they handle drugs and enforcement of the law. It will come back to bite them at some point. But the economic and societal fallout between now and then is probably going to be great. 
the elite in Washington who run the Biden administration think the rules are to control you, not for them. And that double standard is what we see playing out in everything. You really think they're going to give up their gas stoves? I bet many of the people lamenting gas stoves have them in their homes. They don't want them for you. They want you to stay home with your electric car that can't go very far so they can fly in their private jet. And they will arrest you and throw you in jail if you're found with cocaine. But for them, they'll just turn a blind eye. The rules are for you, not for them. That's one reason I like Americans for prosperity, because they want to fight for equality under the law. If the rule is for you, it's for them as well. If the rule is for the poor and the middle class, it's for the elite. And they're fighting for that, either deregulate for everyone or regulate for everyone, legalize for everyone or, or, or criminalize, however you need to do it. But equality of the law is one of the principal founding features of this country, equality of the law, limited government. That's why AFP exists. They want to fight for the equality, equal protection under the law. They want to fight for equality under the law. They want to fight for limited government, free markets, and free people. It's what they believe in, free markets and free people. If you believe in free markets and free people and limited government and equality before the law, you should join their army of activists nationwide. Four million people have signed up to help them fight for free markets and free people. You can too. You go to americansforprosperity.org slash E-R-I-C-K, americansforprosperity.org slash E-R-I-C-K. That's my name, Eric. They've got 4 million people. They've got 36 state chapters. They're building in the other states. If you're in a state where they don't have a chapter, you might be able to be a flagship charter member of that chapter. They've got over 300 legislative wins this state legislative cycle alone, rolling back regulation, fighting for free markets and free people. Go to americansforprosperity.org slash Eric today. Sign up. Be a free market warrior for Americans for Prosperity. Hello there. It's Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Lloyd Austin, the Secretary of Defense, went on television with Wolf Blitzer to complain about Senator Tommy Tuberville refusing to allow uh, promotions in the military. This is a national security issue. We just talked about, uh, when we sat down a couple of minutes ago, what a complex uh, environment this is, you know, around uh, around the world. Quite frankly, we see uh, the tough things that we're dealing with in uh, here in Europe as we pro- continue to provide support to Ukraine and its efforts to defend its sovereign territory. Uh, we're working hard to make sure we keep the right balance uh, in uh, in the Indo-Pacific and uh, and strengthen our alliances. Uh, and uh, we need leaders to be able to do that. This is. Uh, uh, this is a national security issue. It's a readiness issue, and, uh, and we, we shouldn't kid ourselves. And I think uh, any member of the Senate Armed Services Committee knows that. You know, they could get through this tomorrow by just stop funding abortions in the military. The other thing they could do if they wanted these promotions to happen is they could put them to a vote on the floor of the Senate. You notice Chuck Schumer hasn't called these people up for a vote, hasn't even attempted to get around Tommy Tupperville's hold. He's just letting them stand there in limbo, which suggests a significant portion of the Senate is okay with Tuberville's hold. They can make it a national security issue all they want. They can complain about it all they want. But it doesn't matter. It's not like it's really impacting the readiness of the military. I mean, that's the great little secret here is the bureaucracy within the military at the upper echelons of it really isn't impacting the day-to-day lives 
of the soldiers and sailors and airmen. It's not. Uh, in fact, if anything, we got too many of these people. And were a lot of these people who are getting promoted are serving in acting roles now anyway. This just makes it official. So they're still in the position. They're given the title with the word acting in front of it. It's not making a difference. But if they were that concerned about it, they could just stop funding abortions. And all of this would go away. But they refuse to stop killing kids because they got to worship at the altar of Moloch instead of worshiping at the altar of the United States and saving us and making sure that we have a strong national defense. They would rather kill kids than defend this country. That's the Democratic Party at work, a death cult.